ain't a podcast that's flyer. You are now tuned in to direct misfire. Benson, you and Selick, tell everyone to tune in. Let's roll the dice, let me show you what we do win. A fantasy war game, play it smart and you win. What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution? Hero, hero, giants and knights galore. It's an adventure, this is Kings of War. Let's go. Champs, and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. I am your host, Bensom, and joining me today, as always, is Selick. Hey, hey. As well as Hugh. Yo, yo. As we discuss the Kings of War Army Power Ranking pre-Clash of Kings 2020. How's everyone going? Pretty well, man. Like, I've been uh, battling with my list uh, for a bit of time, trying to adjust who's better than who and whatever else. How you mm-hmm. guys been going with it? Yeah, it's not, not not easy. So you sort of have a look at it and you're like, oh yeah, this will be easy. Just stack rank Speak everything, give it a <laughs> give it a bit of a tier. And yeah, once you actually start writing it all down and assigning it, it becomes very complicated and a lot of fringy sort of middle of the road units. Yeah, there's some armies that kind of stand out more so than others. But um, how about you uh, talk us through what we're doing here? Yeah, so we're, we're we're ranking the armies based on a sort of standardized tier list, sort of the closest thing to what other people might be familiar with in the community from things like uh, fighting game tier lists are common or any number of millions of other tier lists that are out there. And of course, you've got to take what we say with a grain of salt because we don't know everything, uh, except Benson, he knows everything, so his list yep. is correct, but Selick and mine is a bit blurry. Because yes, so mine is the bar that you need to be um, comparing to. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the thing is, some of the armies we've played very rarely. Like we've only played a couple of times or we've played with a few times but not against or what have you. And uh, there's even one or two armies on this list that I've never played, so I'm sort of best guesstimating from there. And that's going to be the case for pretty much any Kings of War player, I think, because there are a lot of armies. So there's only so many hours in the day and games you can play against all the various people. And some of these armies are very unpopular as well. FYI, I've had experience with all of them. Just saying. (laughs) I think I've played against all of them apart from Ratkin Slaves. Mm. Um, I think think I'm the same except for um, one red herring being the Trident Realm, which are quite popular in some parts Mm. of the world. But for whatever reason, I've dodged them so far. So Mm. um, I'm definitely a bit ambiguous on that one. But we'll talk through our tiers. Each of us have a different tier list. Okay. We've got the same basic principles that we're trying to use to guide them, though. So I'll go through those quickly with you now. And again, you know, it's just a bit of fun. So we're just ha- we're just having a stab. And I also want to point out, actually, that Kings of War, there's much less of a difference between these tiers than there are in so many other games out there. Because we all know part of the reason we love this game is it's such a well-balanced game with nicely structured rules for so many different army lists it's really quite a feat that mantic have managed to get them as close as they are already so Mm. a d can beat an s a c could beat an a whatever absolutely depends on the general the day the list everything else any army can beat any army depending on the build and the player absolutely Um, but with all that said we've got s tiers a tier b tier c tier d so your standard s a b c d um S tier we've described as excellent regular units, some of which are under-costed. I've called it a wee bit OP, but Benson refuses <laughs> to use the word OP. I think yep. everyone on the internet, you know, decrying the armies in that tier, you're likely to find that they do call them OP. But... No. 
Get that emotive language out of here. <laughs> it's a tier list. It's all about emotions. <laughs> it's not science. A <laughs> uh, tier has some un- some units ahead of the curve, um, and it has multiple competitive builds. So that's uh, something that's critical about them. You'll see different builds win tournaments and things like that from time yeah, to time. So that's key. That's one army can have many different builds that, and they all work. Yeah, that's it. Doesn't mean that you can't make a bad build, but there are yeah, yeah multiple competitive builds you can draw from. Yep. Mm-hmm. B is your strong synergistic army, so you'd expect a lot of armies in this tier that have decent flexibility, but nothing OP. This is where you sort of aim as a game designer, I think, for your, all your armies to land, if you can. And you'll probably find that the majority of the armies, or maybe not the majority of the armies, but certainly the largest tier, that'll be the fattest one there. Mm. C is a playable army, but lacks competitive flexibility. Uh, some bad units, I've said. So... What that probably means is that they're not like totally unusable units or whatever, but often these armies don't feel as flexible as your B tier and there might be some list that you could enter into a tournament and they'll go pretty well, but that might be pretty much the only list option that you've really got and you might be an inflexible army that lacks certain choices so they have some very bad matchups. Yeah, so you might only have one or two builds that sort of work and are competitive. And if you kind of take one or two units out, it just sort of breaks the, the army and it just doesn't work. Mm. Mm. Lastly, we've got D tier, which I've described as many trash tier units, uh, cookie cutter armies needing luck to win. Um, by that, I mean your army is going to look the same, basically, or very close to it, like you've cut it using a cookie cutter out of a cookie tray. And that cookie don't taste so good. It's been sitting on the bench <laughs> for a few days. So these armies are not completely unplayable and unusable, but they're probably inflexible and, uh, you know, at two even players on an even day, if you take a regular army against a D army, the regular army should win, pending yep. too many double ones. So D tier is a yes. bit... D tier needs a buff, S tier needs a nerf, and everything else in between is probably all right, That's really. Pretty, it's pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And we were describing as well beforehand, Benson and I were reflecting, uh, Selleck as well, on the idea that to adjust these, if you were to bring an army from S down to, say, B, if that was your desire, in a lot of cases, it doesn't take much, like just one or two units with Mm. a small points change or make something irregular or whatever. So we're really interested to see how much this list changes after Clash of Kings. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we might do this again in a couple of months' time, once we've had uh, some experience with the changes? Yeah, or at least talk to how the lists have adjusted, if there's a few small changes or whatever it might be. And we'll yeah, make we our lists that. available to you as well, so you can check them out on um, our Facebook page or something like that. Yep, sounds good. All right, so let's get into it. Let's start off with the cream of the crop, the S tier. What has everyone got here? All right, so for my S tier, I went with some pretty obvious choices. Uh, first cab off the rank being Undead, and the second yep. one, Abyssal Dwarfs. Um, I can't see any more S's for me. Those two have multiple different powerful builds. You often get the eye rolls as soon as you rock up with Undead, and people sort of go, oh, mm. God. Yep. yep, I had the same thing as you, Selick. Uh Undead and Abyssal Dwarfs in S tier, yep. pretty clear for me. I also have Undead as the top, followed by Abyssal Dwarfs, but I've also got the Night Stalkers in the S tier. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's worth mentioning that to an extent we've tried to keep uh, you know, some of the armies that we think are a little bit better in that tier toward one end and a little worse toward the other end. But mm. overall, a tier is to be considered roughly equal. Yeah. For A tier then, what do you got, Selick? 
I've got uh, Ratkin, Night Stalkers, Empire of Dust, and the Salamanders in A. Cool, awesome. I have all of those as well. Ratkin, Night Stalkers, Empire of Dust, Salamanders. I've also got Basileans and Abyssals. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yeah, the Forces of the Abyss were so close to being A for me. I know that they've mm. got some pretty powerful builds. So I had that as the top of my B, which we'll discuss in a second. But that was sort of one of those fringe, whether it was an A or a B. Basileans, I had his B though. Good point. I did mean Abyss Forces of the Abyss, not, not Abyssals. Just to make it yeah. clear, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the Salamanders, Ratkin, Northern Alliance, Forces of the Abyss, and Basileia. Northern Alliance is A. Nice one. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about them, should they be in B, but every time I've come up against them, they've always been a bit different, and I've always thought, this army's really good. Why am I not playing this army? I actually agree with you. I, that is the one that I was on the fence the most about. I've got them right at the top of my B and um, could be very easily persuaded to put them into A. I think they do have multiple competitive builds. I felt that they were just a little tiny bit behind all those other armies I got in A. I noticed you don't mm-hmm. have Empire of Dust in there either, but um, we'll get more to specific army talk after we've been through our list. So uh, mm-hmm. what do you got in B there, Sally? In B, I have, as I've mentioned, the Forces of the Abyss, Basileans, Northern Alliance, Forces of Nature, Dwarfs, Varangur, Trident Realms, uh, League of Rordia, Deep Breath, uh, Kingdoms of Men, Goblins, and the Ogres. That's a big B list. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll probably all have pretty big B B lists. B lists? I've got an even bigger B list. (laughs) B lists? (laughs) I got uh, Northern Alliance as well, who possibly should be an A. I'm starting to be convinced already. Orcs, (laughs) Elves, Dwarves, Empire of Dust. Varangur, Trident Realms, Twilight Kin, Kingdoms of Men, Goblins, and who are the Halfling guys again? Rodia. Rodia. League of Rodia. <laughs> and League of Rodia. Okay. Uh, I have the Empire of Dust in B, followed by Dwarves, mm. Forces of Nature, Varangur, the Trident Realms, Kingdoms of Men, uh, Twilight Kin, League of Rodia, Ogres, Orcs, Elves, and Goblins. What's the blue horsey one? You? Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Uh, worth mentioning Brotherhood of the Green Lady, Order of the Green Lady and the Brotherhood, we sort of lumped together because they were just so similar. But I mean, yeah. r- just read any one of our lists as Brotherhood immediately followed by Order of the Green Lady and I think you'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You got a, Your B is just that little bit fatter than um, Salix and mine, but a mm-hmm. lot of the same armies in there. Uh, for C, who did you decide was playable but lacking some competitive flexibility and has a few bad units? Who'd you put there, Salix? Yeah, so I went with the Orcs in C, uh, Twilight Kin, Elves, Sylvan Kin, uh, Order of the Brothermark, Order of the Green Lady, and the Free Dwarfs. I think they they sort of fit that bracket where they can make competitive builds, but uh, they're very limited, I guess, in what they mm-hmm. can choose to be competitive. Fair enough. In C, I've got the Brotherhood and the Order of the Green Lady, as it were. I've got the Free Dwarfs. I've got the Sylvan Kin. And I've also got ogres. Uh, both of you guys had ogres in B, so mm. I could be convinced that that's incorrect. But I do find them a little bit inflexible, even though I'm scared of them when I, I tend to thrash <laughs> them. So it's an interesting one. I've just got uh, the Ratkin slaves, the Sylvankin, and Free Dwarfs. Okay, fair enough. Interesting because they're all the uh, theme, theme armies there. Yeah, those theme armies. Well, it, that kind of makes sense to a degree, right? Because they've got like less flexibility than their parent army generally, don't they? Do you yeah. just think it's like... They've branched out to give it a bit more theme, but they haven't actually branched out to give it a bit more competitive nature. Yeah, that's right. And often they have sort of like, as Free Dwarves, for an example, 
they've got a bunch of really solid units, but they're all kind of similar. Like they're all just a, basically a bunch of dwarfs that have Pathfinder. Some of them have crossbows, some of them don't. And then from the main list, they get a few units which uh, just fill in a few holes, bit of artillery, that kind of thing, but they don't have that flexibility that the core list has. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But a lot of them are like yep. that. Anyway, trash tier. Who do we think are absolute skid marks of the Kings of War universe? I think uh, we're um, pretty unis- unified in this one. Yeah, so the skid marks, so to speak, are the Ratkin slaves for me uh, and the herd because they are the word. Yeah, just, just, yeah, meh, meh. Yep, the herd. Yeah. Blah. Just herd for you, Benson. I got herd and Ratkin slaves. Herd. You guys are the ones that convinced me more to have them in D. I wasn't sure whether they should be C or D, but because I, I have played a few quite scary herd armies, some of their units, like the chariots, are very good, and a couple of the others mm. are solid. But I do tend to agree with you; they they're very inflexible. They only have a couple of builds, if if any. And um, the beastmen have been the redheaded stepchild of the fantasy various fantasy universes for what twenty years, thirty years. <laughs> they're actually quite decent in um, version two. Oh, that's a, that's a fair point. Actually, they they started out okay in Kings of War, but they've yeah. What is it about yeah, them that have taken a hit in yeah third edition? I think edition? the um, the amount of units that they've got, or the the varying types, have have dropped, and their um, their shtick they've kind of lost their flavor. In that they used to be all kind of pathfindery, but it doesn't quite work like that now. Mm. There's only a couple that take advantage of that. I think mm. the biggest thing was the hit for the stampede. That was their power yeah, punch unit, course, yeah. and that got moved back to a speed six chariot unit, mm-hmm. which just feels like a weirdo. Why call them chariots if they're speed six and they're just as fast as your large infantry? Yep, just yep. to give them defense. Fight. Yeah, it's it's, and they've only got one unique unit where they had a couple before. What I find interesting about them is that they have probably the strongest army wide rule in Pathfinder, and yet. They're one of the weakest armies. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't do enough to make up for their other I things. I think Pathfinder is very situational because in that you might have two forests on a field, and then you've got obstacles in the way, so that negates Pathfinder. So you, really, you only want Pathfinder on maybe one, maybe two units that'll be running through that stuff. It, it does have diminishing returns. I'd agree with that. Like once you got a lot of your units, simply aren't going to be fighting in the forest or whatever. They're mm. Also, these days, uh, a lot of Boards that we fight on for tournaments and things in Kings of War, I've noticed, have obstacles, as you say. Like, mm, uh, yeah. I don't know that obstacles... Are, have they been increased in popularity or something? Or is there a guideline somewhere that was like, you should have a couple of obstacles on the board or something? Because I feel like <laughs> I see a couple of walls on virtually every board, and I actually find them quite a pain in the ass sometimes. Mm. Well, whenever we game gamed in person, I made it a point to have... Uh, fences attached to hills just to make like a nice little pretty scene mm-hmm. but i think we're just good at avoiding it <laughs> they're just yeah. less in your face uh, especially like when we're playing on ub they'll just have some random obstacle in the middle of the field right where you want to move and it just becomes <laughs> yep. so much more annoying big hassle especially for dwarves i've been i played a free dwarfs tournament recently with that with that army and uh, those obstacles are an incredible pain in the ass when you have movement three you just can't get over the bloody things you've got to spend several turns getting over your short brick wall it's quite embarrassing yeah, which you can imagine all the dwarves like giving each other's boosts to get over the wall <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty tragic 
I think you're definitely right, though. They've added more obstacles in in our meta mm. that we sort of play in down here. There's always at two plus sort of fences, and mm. I think that's probably due to the the frequency of the caterpillar Makwa. Uh, yeah, it could be. It's it's to reduce the power level of Pathfinder for sure is is, is a big part of the reason for it, and that's cool. I like that actually, even though I hate it when I'm a dwarf. <laughs> mm. it, it can be a good thing, and perhaps that's part of the reason that they end up in the D tier. Maybe they're in C or even B in some metas where people are taking, you know, the best units from them and there aren't many walls around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you definitely can make, like, the herd, we put it in D, obviously, but you can make some sort of lists that aren't trash. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, but the reason why it is there is just because they're just so inflexible. So if you're not taking, um, like, your... Uh, beasts of natures and lichens so you've got some speed and movement the rest of the army just takes the punch and dies like it's hard to get into combat without paying lots of chaff and you need lots of it for the herd to make the other unit survive it just feels like Mm -hmm. you're you're doing putting a lot more effort to get the same result that everyone else is getting well speaking of chaff ratkin slaves uh the whole army's chaff and then you've got a couple of dwarf units in there to what make it Less chaffy. What's good about big... Ratkin slaves? They're just they're worse than regular Ratkin in every imaginable way, and obviously worse than the Abyssal Dwarfs. But the reason why I've kept them out of the D is because of the Abyssal Dwarf units. You can take uh, your Berserkers, your half breeds, and they've got the Tunnel mm-hmm. Runners. So there's a few, quite a, quite a few good units in that list. But it just doesn't have the oomph that the parent lists have. Yeah, it doesn't have any staying power, really, does it? I mean, it it, it lacks that. The, you can actually make quite a solid backbone in your in your center for regular ratkin. Uh, it's mm. very hard to do that with ratkin slaves, and so you're right. Half breach are awesome. Tunnel runners are pretty good. So you could have like a strong, fast flank, or even you could take heaps of those units and make that a focus of your army. But you just don't have that sort of anchor point as much. I guess you could take some some dwarfs and use that as your anchor. I, you mm. probably could make some good lists, actually. I've, because, I've again, I readily admit I've never played against Ratkin Slayers. You could probably take, a bit like the the um, the Beast Donks, the Herd, you could take a reasonably powerful army, like in that, even to compete quite competently with that B, A, and S range. And we have said that, you know, any army can play any army. But it's one distinct kind of build, isn't it? I mean, you'd... You're not, yeah. yeah, you're not building a sort of flexible take all comers kind of list. I had Ratkin slaves right down the bottom, just purely. There's 19 options in that list, and inside that 19, I think there's like four or five that are irregular. So it's really just pointing you to the one build, and that mm. for me is it's not fun. Uh, mm. Even if you are playing that list, and I think even when you do take that sort of competitive-ish list, it's it's still bottom tier. Mm. Well, just to remind you, so like tunnel runners are not regular, uh, half breeds are not regular, immortal guard aren't, abyssal uh, berserkers aren't, and I think that's pretty much mm. all you need. Yeah, as long <laughs> as you you're happy to get all your unlocks from regiments, which can sometimes be tricky. Can you take warriors? Your hordes of warriors? Can't quite. Uh, they've got black souls, which are your, your dwarf warriors, which are a decent unit because um, they're still defense five and they're relatively cheap so decent i don't think i've ever seen them on the table i mean i agree it's with because, you, they are it's decent, because but... the other the other options are better but um that's for right an unlocking unit a horde of black souls is a solid anvil 
Yeah, and I could actually see you taking that in that list, uh, especially with all the fast stuff to go around the flanks yeah. and stuff. And I think those guys hold that the, the army hinges on the rally that they can bring. Mm. Um, that's I guess that was their thing because they're slaves. Yay, let's and give slaves slightly higher route. They're still defense <laughs> too. But um, the re- yeah, the reason why it's never going to get up behind ab- above C for me is just the lack of choice. Like they've got one unique unit in Golic Skin Flayer, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they've got an Overmaster, flying Overmaster. That's good. Uh, the half breed champion's always good. I like Tunnel Runners, Decimator Horde to go with that is fine. Half breed's great. Nightmares are a bit meh. You know what? You can take more of those Abyssal Dwarf units than I'd realised, I think. Uh, I probably yeah. hadn't thought enough about the Abyssal Dwarf side of things. Typical, I thought more about the Ratkin side of things. But yeah, so if you take all the Abyssal Dwarf units and then put like a couple of Ratkin slaves in there, that's actually starting to sound like a decent army. If you take some of the sort of more maligned Abyssal Dwarf units, who we do have an S tier. Mm. But I suppose that's a good segue to Abyssal Dwarves themselves. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about our top and bottoms. So we talked mm-hmm. through those bottom of the pile but not by a massive margin. Uh, the top of the pile, also not by a massive margin. We've all got Undead and Abyssal Dwarves in there, and then you've yep. got um, Night Stalkers as well. Did you want to talk to Night Stalkers at all, Benson? Sure, just as to reason why I've put it in there and you guys haven't. I have played with them once or twice and played against them a whole bunch, but this is an army that has... You don't have to really worry about you inspiring because they're mind thirst for just about everything. Mm-hmm. They have some fantastic chaff units in... Scarecrows being fearless and very cheap. Butchers are an amazing unlock unit. Fearless 18, defense 5, crushing 2, and stealthy. So hard to shoot off and get him in combat for only 205 points. That's really good. Mm. Uh, They have Mind Screechers, which are Lightning Bolt 6 monsters for 150 points that also fly Pathfinder and Stealthy and Nimble. They have Shadowhawks, which are... Better giants in being fearless 20. Yep, they're also stealthy, so you can't easily shoot them off as well. They've got a lot of things in here that are really good. There's very few that I think you wouldn't take. It's a, it's a really, really good list. I think it's solid. I think it's a, it is a good list. I don't think it's to the S tier, though. Oh, man, fiends, some bloody fiends. The unit that took a huge nerf, and they're still really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that they're a powerful list. I've also played both with and against them, um, mainly against them, and I've always found them to be pretty scary. They do have a lot of good units, you're right. They definitely have multiple competitive builds, uh, which I think is why Selick and I have got them in the A tier. The only thing that I'd say that keeps them out of S for me is that they have a certain um, style in that with the exception of Butchers, which are actually quite an important exception, but the majority of the army are quite low defense. They rely somewhat heavily on the stealth idea. So if you take really heavy shooty armies, that stealth is often enough to make it an almost impossible matchup. But on the other hand, if you take, you know, armies like Empire of Dust, Basileia, Abyssals, um, maybe to a degree Ratkin, but they probably shoot a bit more. But some of those like really fighty focused, just solid defensive, but heaps of damage output kind of armies. I realize some of those examples maybe weren't spot on, but the point is they have yeah. certain matchups that the army list will just look really. It's really difficult for them. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, so for me, it's that defense that keeps them into the A tier and well out of the S tier because, as you mentioned, that the shooting 
and their special rules stealthy. I think in second edition it was great, but now we're in third. The shooting has just dropped off the map completely. So that that's like a special rule that rarely comes into it. And if you're up against, as a Night Stalker player, up against somebody that has a lot of attacks, um, you're going to drop pretty quickly. Um, and it's if you have a look at some of the nerves as well on these, it's very easy to start dropping units very quick when you're defense four up against, say, 20 attacks, even uh, with no crushing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I think that's that's where it all sort of falls apart. That's it. I mean, stealth is is probably one of the biggest reasons that they end up in A rather than S for me as well because... Stealthy is just a cherry. It is It is mostly a cherry, but it depends on your army. Tell Rordia, a lot of Rordia lists and lists like that that it's just a cherry. Like, it's it's a bloody nightmare for them. Like, it depends. War Machines in particular, going from fives to sixes and halving your chances of hitting. Unless you're me in the first round of the Masters and you're playing Night Stalkers and the opponent double sixes with their, <laughs> with with what actually was my skeleton catapult <laughs> to, uh, to win the game. Yeah. Unless that happens, <laughs> mostly they just sort of like make War Machines non-existent, which is kind of a big deal. But yeah, like they're a great army, I agree. They're just, they're just that little bit less flexible. You also can't take a really shooty list. Like Mind Screech is great. You can have some Lightning Bolt, but they don't have that option while well, as most of these other really high tier armies can do that if they want to with the exception of undead i mean you can take your 90 point troop of specters piercing one um shooting unit yeah. yeah the issue with them is that they've only got 18 inch range and range five so most things that have 18 inch ranges are hitting on fours yeah but these are also quite cheap mm. yeah like for eight shots yeah i mean they're they're pretty mediocre i think um they're okay yeah. Anyway, that's Night Stalkers. Uh, our other S tier units, I think probably Abyssal Dwarves are the easiest to talk to because a bit of contention here. I debated whether I think these are number one or number two. Uh, both the other guys have them as number two, I think. Is that correct, guys? Yep, that's mm-hmm. right. A certain build from Abyssal Dwarves where they take all of, like, they just spam all of their units that are a little bit undercosted and a little bit too powerful is number one. Like, I think it's better than even the best undead builds. However, yes. they don't quite have the... F- the strongest Abyssaldorf list is better than the strongest undead list. Interested that you agree with that. That's really cool. But the undead has not just multiple competitive builds like the AT. They've got heaps of competitive builds. And there's so many different ways yeah. you can build them. They're a really cool list. I'm not even sure what exactly they need to do to undead to just take them down a, a notch. Um, it could be that they just need to increase the points on nearly everything by a small amount to make up for that fearlessness or something. But uh, for Abyssal Dwarves, for mm. me, it's pretty clear. Abyssal uh, Grotesques need to be irregular mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Super Mortars need to go up by about 20 points each. If you do those two things, I think the army goes from S to like maybe A and they've still got heaps of good units, a, but yeah. they're not yeah. as crazy. You know what I'd love to see in an Abyssal Dwarf list? Dwarfs. No, right. but Steve, that still goes against their thing because they are essentially slavers. You don't want a whole lot of dwarfs on there. They've got other things to do their dirty work. I think the dwarf themselves should be a unit that is that unlocks, mm. so you have to take them. That'd be cool. But I don't want I don't, don't want to see like a dwarf list. I think a Ratkin just, slave you know, list actually could be a really cool looking thematic abyssal dwarf list because as you say like slavers mm. they got all these meatheads to do their dirty work but then you've actually probably for your unlocks 
got a handful of dwarves to hold your center. As we were talking through that, I was kind mm. of liking the mm. idea of it. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> we could do this. I mean, I've got a big Ratkin army. You've got a mm. Abyssal Dwarf army. We, yeah, we could make something happen. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can make some sweet... Uh, <laughs> Let's no, take no. this D-tier or <laughs> army all the way up to B, <laughs> baby. It's a bit too dark there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the Abyssal Dwarves, they're just a very forgiving mm. army. Even if you have a look at the Abyssal Grotesques, and I know mm. we're going to pick on them a little bit, but they've got good attacks, uh, pretty average sort of melee there, okay speed, but then their special rules is yep. what just takes them to that next level. And it's brutal, crushing strength one, regenning, thunderous charge two, yep. and vicious. Like, what a special rule. Yeah, vicious, vicious across, across the board. The whole group. Oh, it's disgusting. Look, I, I just call them the auto wound. Taking one sometimes. unit of them is okay, but yeah, it's multi- multiple, it starts to get a bit. They have so many units a with much. a lot of crushing on top of the. It, it honestly feels a little bit like an oversight. Some of, the, some of these units that they have, like, it's all well and good to have elite when you're hitting on fives or fours or something. But if you've got crushing and you're crushing two thunderous one or something like that, like if you're winning on twos, it's just auto wound. They have yeah. so many units like that, and and yeah. to be fair, the biggest offenders are again the grotesques and the super mortar. Is that they both just wound everything on twos and they reroll ones. So all you have to do is hit. You just roll in. You, you might as well just roll your twenty dice or whatever. Just roll, see how many hits you get, and then go. Yep, cool. That many wounds because it's a one in thirty six of failing to wound. It's insane. And the um, av- availability of gargoyles. Yeah. So the the best chaff unit, the flying. Oh, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I think gargoyles are definitely the best chaff in the game. I'm pretty sure they stand head and shoulders above just about everyone else. They need to be a few more points. Yeah, <laughs> 85 points for <laughs> for that thing is really good. <laughs> just flying good. and maneuverability yep. of them, like it's just amazing. It doesn't matter what their stats are or what their regen is or anything really. Yeah, eight turn nerve, sure, but they're just getting in the way exactly. once. That's all they And they even flank and rear things and irritatingly do a reasonable amount of damage every now and again, which just feels unfair. <laughs> yeah, with the 10 yeah. attacks. Hmm. And I think if you add on like from more of a scenario play and actually winning the game, not just beating the shit out of everything, uh, rocks, so your lesser obsidian mm-hmm. golems. So mm-hmm. they come in just as a back line and then just hold everything up with their defense six, um, crushing two once a game with Vicious, so they're mm-hmm. reliably putting damage down. And that uber, like, number one rank S-tier army, as we as we anecdotally consider it, it's some combination of uh, Grotesques, Super Mortars, the Decimators. Decimators. Decimators, yeah. And Gargoyles. Mantic, change them to Devastators. Decimate is not the right meaning of that word. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's that's a different. Are you talking like Romans with clubs killing one in ten guys? As as what decimation is? Yeah, Yeah, that is a very different meaning. You're right. (laughs) Those four units to taste any combination of those things, and then all their character units are good. So just take any of them, and you'll be fine. That list Mm -hmm. is really strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The half breed champions are amazing. They're quick. They hit hard. They're so Mm -hmm. reliably putting out damage. And Basusu mm. as well. Um, I know that it's had a bit of a, a bump on the head, but it's yeah, still... I haven't seen Bassy about as much, which is, I guess that's good. I still love him. Yeah, yeah, but still seven attacks, hitting on He's threes, crushing two. Like, it's still great. The flying cow's really good. Yeah, yep. The hex casters and the iron casters are really good as well. Like they're just excellent support yep. units. Um, you know, a little bit ahead mm. of the curve, but not as crazy as like a. Yeah, as a super mortar. Um, yeah, that's the Bissell Doors, man. So 
what do you think about the undead then? Like, how how do they get knocked back? Because we we're all in agreement that they're the best. Army yeah, I think game. so. And I, I want to emphasize again. I think this is by a reasonably small margin uh, that like it's so undead are so beatable. I, you play them so often. I beat them all the time. I beat undead all the time. Um, I also lose to undead all the time. So <laughs> you know, bit of bit of both. <laughs> but uh, they have so many powerful builds you can go like heaps of revenant cavalry and heaps of uh werewolves and have this like really fast quite tough resilient army you can have like this really solid army with like a couple of hordes of revenant cav and a heap of whites and wraiths to to do Mm. your um to do your damage uh just uh hang on a sec one two three four five six seven eight nine so fun fact out of the nine infantry options you get only one of them is a regular uh, well, that's yep. because of what makes you a regular generally. Like, it's it's so easy to make Usually what makes you a regular you is either you have like a billion attacks or you're a shooter unit when it comes to infantry. And they don't really have... The, the one irregular unit is the shooting unit, right? That's it. So yeah. they, they have some really good cheap chaffy units. They have heaps of chaffy options and heaps of cheap units that can stand on objectives and stuff like that. But then they're, they're units that do the damage like white, Race, uh, no, I yeah. suppose race in the flank too, but mummies are also decent damage dealers. And Soul Reaver. Soul Reaver infantry are fucked. Soul Reaver cavalry uh, are great fantastic. too. The only reason that you don't see them all the time is that whites are about five ish points more effective. Like, it's really not, there's not much in mm. it at all. They're, they're almost six of one, half a dozen of the other. Mm. Yeah. But still a defense five, fearless, 17 regiment. Yeah, and I think the main thing they have over every other army except for really Empire of Dust and to a degree nature, they've just got heaps of fearless units and they've got Surge. Like, so they're very hard to outmaneuver despite the in- how incredibly tough they are and really, really, really high mm. damage um, aggressive shock units. They are very hard to outmaneuver. Well, Undead shouldn't be really hard to outmaneuver. That's, that seems like a problem. No, they should be slow and shambling mm. and plodding along but then you but just, shambling feels like a straight yeah. upside like i feel like they lose a few points for shambling or yep. maybe it's something like i'm not sure exactly what the formula is uh, maybe someone on the rules committee or something could tell you but it feels like in general you might gain a few points for fearless but then lose about the same number of points for shambling or something so you end up paying a similar number of points for a unit mm. in terms of quality like you know you've got your skeleton spearman versus kingdoms of men spearmen or something they're like a similar value for a very mm. similar stat line unit um but then the skeletons are fearless and and shambling if that makes sense and that doesn't feel right to me because mm. shambling feels like yeah. an upside more often than not inability to move at the double in a very straight line yeah sometimes it matters definitely but the threat of shambling is so often what it does it means that you can't outflank and land behind them with flyers and things like that as a effectively as you otherwise could so even if you never get a surge off in the whole game just the fact that you could get a surge off completely changes your opponent's options yeah it's that threat yeah yeah and i think it's just the formula of undead is what makes it s tier for me so that's the formula being cheap unlocks good chaff heavy hitters Mm -hmm. um and i think when you have a look at their heavy hitters like they're ridiculously good like and it doesn't matter that whites are irregular because you've got access to 70-point unlocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming in with Brutal, Crushing Strength 2, Fly, with Leech Life mm-hmm. as well, that, that is a cherry on the pie, just to really make it a little bit more forgiving. Throw in a little bit of healing from your Lich Kings or whatever you want to take. Um, and you've just got this really, really balanced list 
or not balanced, uh, balanced internally. And then chuck on top of that your access to rev cav troops, yep. movement eight, like they're cheap, 105, uh, and they, they've got a little bit of two rolls, so they can actually hurt on the charge as well with their thunderous yeah, two. Yeah, and yet they're D5, so, 105, yeah. 105 points for defense five and fearless 14. Yeah, they, just, they stick around. Yeah, they're a great unit, actually. I think they're a bit underrated because you don't see them in a lot of uh, undead armies. I actually quite like them myself. Rev cav? No, rev cav troops. You see regiments all the time, but oh, uh, yeah. a lot yeah. of people don't take many of the troops. I think they're a great unit. But yeah, almost every unit is good. And it's interesting mm. what you say there, so like your point that they have really good internal balance because I think that's the main thing that puts them just a bit ahead of the Abyssal Dwarves. Abyssal Dwarves, if you nerfed their best units, their internal balance would actually be really good because their other un- this, all their other units are still decent. But or there's probably a few numpty ones in there that you never see, I'm not sure. But yeah. by and large, their internal balance would be pretty good. But their internal balance is actually poor and that's what makes their external balance poor. While as undead have really good internal balance, so that's why I find it quite difficult to work out without a massive overhaul. How do you bring undead down? I have asked you how would you bring yeah. abyssal dwarfs down? How would you bring undead down to you know B or B tier or something like that so that they're a bit more middle of the pack? Well, without upsetting a whole lot of people, reducing the amount of options available, or just making a lot more of them irregular, because mm. there's just about everything unlocks. So you've got no worries about um, what you need to put in there to get your your better stuff, but uh, and increasing the points on the really good stuff. I mean, we don't want to stop people from taking mm. hordes of no. zombies, but because of that, there's no reason to take skeleton warriors because zombies are just a cheaper version for the same role. Yeah, I think skeletons are fine actually myself but by and large I, I don't really agree with taking away army's options like people have built and painted units and stuff and yeah exactly but because they have so many options available to mm. them um they can obviously play around a lot more than the other but like kingdoms of men have so many options available to them but they're b tier right and that's just because most of their options are sensibly costed so it feels to me that the only thing you could really do with undead if you didn't want to reduce that whole fearless surge power kind of flavor uh is just increase the points on every fearless unit in the army by like a certain amount there might be a few exceptions like you might not do it the skeletons or only five points on zombies or something um and it's Mm. it's a really small increase it really is it's something like five points um and if you did that to most of the units so that your average 2,000 point undead list like right now ends up being 2,070 or something. Uh, that might be enough. You know, the game's so close to balanced as it is. Like, I don't think it takes that much. Mm. I think Morgoth was a good nerf. Mm-hmm. I don't yep. know if he needs to be brought back a bit. Um, I think the other thing that people are complaining about is the mini Morgoths. So you can yep. still do the flying... Trend Life 7s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's probably... a. a something you could try and knock back, pull the drain life back a little bit because they shouldn't be as good as spellcasters, yep. even with the uh, artifacts. Yeah, the mm. the characters are really good as well. That's a very good point. Like, um, vampires are fine and so are like whites and stuff like that, uh, the the white characters. But the, yeah, the casters, even the basic necromancer is is incredible bargain. He's 50 points. Like and the, yeah. and then he has almost every useful spell you can Search think six. of. Yeah, or has all the options available. Yeah, to them so now. like, but both the extreme of the like lich lord with the boots and they cost heaps of points, but they're also really good. And the 
the opposite extreme of I can have this really cheap caster with with heaps of options that I can sort of just use to fill a specific role. That's cool, but yeah, it's it's very powerful. What about reducing the defense on a lot of the units? Because I think undead, I don't think hardy. I think easy to cut down, but there should be lots of them. Well, maybe the nerve. Maybe like it's hard to kill them because they're you know made of bone and those kinds of things, and you know they're undead. It's meant to be hard to kill a zombie or whatever, right? Instead of making them relatively easy to kill, make them hard to kill still, but they, you know, it's easier to sort of do whatever fantasy reason you like, just break their binding and pop <laughs> go. break the unit, yeah. Yeah, so just a slightly lower mm. nerve. Instead of a points increase, a slightly lower nerve across the board. Instead of having like a 15, 17 knight unit, or sorry, a 14, 16, whatever you want, where you've got your equivalent knight unit, you've got, here's my knight unit, it's 14, 16. Here's my undead knight unit, it's dash 16. Should it be dash 15? No, seven, 17. Dash 17, yeah. <laughs> okay. I've got my 15, 17 night unit. <laughs> my undead version is dash 17. Should my undead version yeah. unit be actually dash 16 or something? Like, should it... Yeah, but you're See right. Every other unit regiment is 14, 16, and they get a fearless 17. Yeah, yeah. So they they feel like their nerve is a little too high. In fact, the more we talk about it, the more I like the idea of taking their nerve down a bit, making them a bit of a riskier less consistent kind of faction might be better mm. than a points increase so you can still take a similar sized army but if you uh you, yeah if your opponent rolls hot they take your unit off tell you what there's nothing more demoralizing than when you like get a rev horde and you like miss its nerve by one or two and then it just like life leeches and drain life lives leech. and heals back to like <laughs> almost full which is more empire of dust stick overall i i think but yeah, Undead can do it too. Yep, so you've actually got a, a good point there. So we've talked about shambling and we've talked about leech life and all these other things, but why have we decided that this is S and Empire of Dust is A? Well, Benson has Empire of Dust in B, but uh, the top of B, but um, close enough, I guess. The biggest distinction for me is that Undead have better cheap nasty units. Like So they have their... Like, uh, zombie regiments and things like that that give them a bit of an edge on unlocks and objective holding over over empire of dust but also they have probably some slightly better really hard hitting units you can take units in undead and you can take whole armies if you want that just have massive damage output while there's empire of dust the one thing that they really struggle with is heaps of damage output yeah i'd agree with that so they just don't quite they don't have the rates isn't it Uh, the white sorry all the Soul Reavers, uh, they've got fewer infantry choices, uh, so they've got no ghouls. Uh, I mean, what are Empire Dots using as chuff? So they've got their swarm, basically. Uh, Revenant Cav troops, they'll have. Uh, another thing that the Empire of Dust lack, are, I think it's 100% Morgoth, yeah. They, they don't have any Morgoth in that True. list. Zero Morgoth. No Morgoths. They do have some really good characters but, um, still, but um, yeah, Morgoth is they definitely... Do. I, I, underrated him at first i think i I said he was a bit ho-hum i was definitely wrong about that but even after the nerf i think he's actually in a good place after the nerf he's still really good but he's a heap of points and i think he's all right Mm. Mm. so the thing that took this up to an a from a b uh was purely around soul snare actually um so i think it's it's one of those units it comes in drain life nine with an, an 18 inch range just healing whatever the hell it wants is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I always thought it was a bit bullshit whenever I came up across it and it's like, all right, I'm going to get it in combat so it can't cast spells. And no, you can't do that. It'll still cast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
It's Fearless Fifteen. What? I, I actually agree. <laughs> all the all of the um, unique units for the Empire of Dust are incredible. The Idol of Shobik mm. is one of the mm. best monsters in the game. Like the fact that he doesn't fly is the only thing that holds him back from being the absolute best. But he's almost impossible he's, he's, to kill, and he enhances all the units around him. Like he's just incredible. Mm. He's two hundred ninety points, but he yeah. is a Fearless Eighteen Defense Six. That's um. It, is very inspiring, has life leech and heal five, yeah. as well as that iron resolve aura. Mm. It's a very yeah, solid. he's he's like as uh, expensive as a dragon, and he's better than a dragon at, in fights, but doesn't have the maneuverability. So for an army that you want to be rock solid in the center, it's perfect. But the the other guy, the um, the one that casts surge for a very cheap price, yeah. the monolith, is it? What's that called? Oh, it is a monolith. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking Necrons when I said monolith. Get the monolith. Yeah. yeah. The monolith thing <laughs> that just sits there. And when I, I used uh, Empire <laughs> recently, I was over at Mike Crossman's house, uh, reasonably recently anyway, and um, I borrowed his Empire of Dust. And, and I, he was talking about how like they're not that good, Hugh, you overrate them. And I said, oh, the, you just take all the unique units and point and click, mate. It's pretty easy. <laughs> So I borrowed his list, and yeah, it was as point as quick as it could possibly be. It completely undermined Mike's argument because it just so happened that's the way the game went, mm. of course. And then I got to be smug about it, but like, and it could, it could have not gone that way. But I didn't play Crossman, by the way, otherwise I probably would have lost. But yeah, nobody beats Crossman at home. Yeah, no, that's right. But uh, yeah, it's those three unique units, um, and actually the Monolith, instead of just leaving it at the back, it can be really nice to move it up with your army. It can still sort of well. All it does is inspire. Yeah, I know. Um, no, no, it casts surge. Like so, it's it's you don't need to. Does it? Yeah, that's that's its thing. Uh, not according to um, Easy Young. Right. Yeah. No, it casts surge. Uh, that it's a special rule. It casts it right at the start of the yes. Yeah, so uh, shooting phase. Ah, yeah. yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember. Um, so, unlike undead, you don't actually need to spend points on like cheap casters that do nothing but hover around and surge. Not that undead casters have to do that. Obviously, mm. they've got some great yeah. ones, but. The point is, you can spend all your points and characters on like your big, punchy, nasty guys, or or you can go really cheap on characters or whatever. And that the the uh, monolith really allows you to do that because you can just hover up the board, be incredibly tough little roadblock unit, hmm. and chuck out a a sufficient surge that just about anywhere you want. Because it's got such a long range, you don't need coverage. You don't need several little necromancers. You just have that one surge threat. Mm. And that gives you the surge threat throughout your army. You don't necessarily need a lot of other surge. Yep. And uh, access to scavengers okay. as well is fantastic. So another flying movement 10 uh, swarm is great. So mm. I'm an idiot and I read Easy Army wrong. It has the rule monolith, which is the 24-inch surge. Yep. Yeah. I mean, 24-inch surge, surge, is, surge 8 is amazing. It's so cheap. Yeah. The reason why I've kicked it down in the, the tier list is because... It doesn't have the flexibility in list design, I feel. Like they, from what I've come up against for an effective Empire of Dust army, they've all been pretty much the same sort of thing. Any sort of deviation, then it starts to be not all that great. I mean, it's still decent, but it's not worrying mm. for me. I don't entirely agree. I think um, once you take those, some comp- at least two out of three of those unique units, if not all three, it, it can feel like every army is the same because of that. And then you've got a heap of units that all effectively boil down to, I'm a tough roadblock thing. I stand here and I don't die. And then I drain life and leech life and stuff until you just don't do any wounds to me and it's really yeah. annoying. So well, a lot, lot of Empire of Dust armies feel like that, but 
I've actually played quite a few different ones, and I've played a few. What are the Ishabdi called? Uh, enslaved Guardians. The enslaved Guardians. The Slave Guardians are surprisingly good in both the melee and the shooting form, particularly the shooting mm. form. You can take some interesting lists with those, and I've, I've seen some variations within that. I've seen some really shooty Empire of Dust armies and some not-so-shooty ones that have, like, dragon fly behind you and surge into your ass kind of shenanigans. So they've got enough variation there for me. It, it still, still overall feels like... A tough anvil kind of army, though. You're right about that. Like, you're not, you don't have a super fast army or whatever. In second edition, I would have put them in A, definitely. But yeah, they've just been knocked back a bit. But that's, that's where I In stand. second edition, I would have put them in S. <laughs> that's, that's me. I've, <laughs> but I, I probably overrate them a bit because I do seem to rate them a bit higher than everyone else. Um, any mm. other specific armies we want to talk about? So we sort of talked about the cream of the crop and for some reason spent quite a while on those pelicans in A, that particular army. And we've, talked of course a bit about the d is there any other armies that you guys like maybe armies you play or armies that you think are sort of right on the borderline or interesting chats yeah um i want to have a chat about northern alliance because i had that in b and i think it was you benson okay. you had it in a yep yep so yeah, you know what i'm gonna move it to a right now it was top of b and now it's bottom of a Done. so i want to know why you guys think that <laughs> that is like a really strong it's it's balanced list i think it's competitive mm. uh, but i don't think it's it's up there with some of the others you don't think it has multiple competitive builds uh some units ahead of the curve no but i, I just think that it's it's balanced i think it's it's good uh, which is okay, what B i is. think ice elementals are one of the best elementals in the game being able to breath attack that also slows you down and is quite resilient. I think snow foxes are one of the best chuff yep. units in the game. Snow foxes are um, great. I think yeah. the frostfang are one of the punchiest units frostfang in the game. Are, I think I, th- I, I could be wrong about this. Some mass nerd out there, please correct me. But I think point for point, straight in the front, frostfang certainly through terrain. Uh, if you factor that in, because they have inbuilt strider, but straight in the front yep. do more damage than any other unit in the game. Hitting on fours with thirty attacks, crushing two. Yeah, fours is the is the downside, but then Strider makes up for that to a degree. Mm-hmm. Not unreasonable mm-hmm. at all to put the uh, plus one to hit item on them. Yep. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Frostfang Cavalry are amazing. I agree with you there, Benson. They've got some decent shooting, and yep. the the bolt throwers are really useful. With elite. The half elves are an interesting unit. So they have this kind of berserker, like lots of troops of them have this. Fearless Berserker. Yeah, with, yeah, well, I suppose all Berserkers yeah. are fearless, but um, Speed 6 with Wild Charge. charge heaps of attacks. They've got this kind of angle they can take. They can also go for this like pretty tough defensive box by either using Dwarfs or regular men in the hordes. They've also got Housecarls, which are really good as well. Uh, interesting units. I don't know. They just sort of have a bit of everything, which you could say the same about Pretty much every list. <laughs> Pretty much. But it's, all, it's all effective, everything. Like, it's all effective. The war engine is quite reliable, having hitting on fours with elite. Everything else has either got really good attacks or hits well. So you can kind of rely on everything. And the the um, uh, the frostbite rule, I find really annoying mm. to deal with. And that Ice Queen being able to heal everything up is... I yeah. haven't played against it's all, them. It's all good. I'm trying to think of a time that I have. I don't think I've ever played against them, actually. Um, but I've played with them in a tournament recently, uh, and I won all my games that I played with them, uh, which is, 
I had some really good opponents too. So I think they, given that I'd never played them before, I thought that that, that was a pretty good start for them. But yeah, a lot of it was off Frostfang Lords. They're really good. They're like little dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not as fast, but they they pack an incredible punch. Yeah, it's a really yeah. cool versatile army, but like they have sort of the same kind of versatility of Kingdoms of Men, but they feel like they're just a little bit ahead of the curve on a, some of that, like some of those units, some of that really yeah. high-impact unit or the really cheap shooting um, in the bolt throwers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah they do I mean, feel I, like they go from B to A for me for that. I agree with all of what you've said. Okay, all right. So the only thing that Benson's <laughs> wrong with is the, uh-huh. the Frostfang Cav, like, yes, they hit like a, a truck, right? But the nerve mm. being 15-17 is just like a normal bit of cab. They're still defense five. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's just an obvious thing to target. Um, yep. The other thing that I, I mean, absolutely love with is that Lord on the Frostfang. I think you mentioned it, Hugh. Yep. Um, that, that's one of the best uh, for me. Like, it comes in, it hits, and it sticks around. Um, yep. It's got such a high crushing strength as well. Crushing three, yeah. Um, yeah. And that wild charge as well is a little bit uh, tricky. Yeah, the the combination of a lot of their units that are really solid kind of units and you look at a similar comparison, they are sometimes like a movement pip down, like particularly the Frostfang, mm. right? Because they're only movement yeah. seven compared with the yeah. cavalry of movement eight. But if you can combine that wild charge one or you take an item to make it D3 or whatever <laughs> um, yeah. and the Frost uh, Slow, whatever it's called, Frostbite. Frostbite, yep. um, so if, if you frostbite a unit that has movement 8, they go down to 7 yeah. and you effectively have charge range 15 and they're 14. So you can be a bit sneaky and use a, use a few tricks like that to mitigate their slower speed. Yeah, and I guess when I have a look at it, and this is obviously why it's very subjective, is just that's top of the Bs for me. Yeah, well, I think we're all agreed that they're sort of either top of the Bs or, or A. Somewhere. Or so, A, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely pretty close. Is there anything that we have any wild disagreements on? Uh, no, it's not frostbite. It's called frozen. Frozen. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Frozen yeah. Special. Cool. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that we're more than one tier out on, which actually surprises me a bit. I'm surprised no one's yeah. got like an A that someone else has in C or something like that. Uh, where did you guys have the Basilians? Basilians A. So we put them in. The yeah, a. and I had them in the B as well. Mm. After after uh, if we had gone back uh, to second edition, I would have them in the A. I think when they could have this flying circus. Um, that would just slap you in the face and they would take absolutely no humans, just all angels. But I think now with the changes that they've made, um, it pulls the mm. Basilians back to a B for me. Uh, given Undead were not S in second, I'm not sure where they would have been exactly, maybe B or A or something. But Basilians, I think possibly, if you if with specifically the Flying Circus build in a similar way to Abyssal Dwarves now, they would be S for me in second tier, um, yeah. second edition. But third yeah. edition, they yes, Aloha took a nerf, but they still have incredibly powerful individual flyers, like one of the best dragons, if not the best. Yeah, the, I would um, agree with that. Many, dra- many of them as well. They've got a whole yeah, the special them. character angel Chicky Babe yeah. is Julius, yeah. yep. She's basically a dragon, just on a smaller base, which is actually really strong. Yeah. Um, Naeus is really good for 1A yeah, as well. They have some solid shooting units that nothing to write home about, but some really tough infantry and some good, kind of good everything. It's a bit similar to Northern Alliance for me in that they kind of feel like a Kings of Men list that just has that little bit of extra on just about everything, which it takes them from uh, mm. B to A. Yeah, I really yeah. rarely see infantry uh, in Vassalans these days. So it's all just Ogre Palace Guard to unlock the Alohi, mm. 
and then throw in your dragons and Ogre Palace Guard are excellent. I think people still have two hordes of the low high, and that's probably part of the reason for that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. one horde's fine, but I, I wouldn't take more than one personally because I think they're well costed. They're at a good place, but they shouldn't be like spammed. Yeah, a bit like elf dracons. Yeah. I think Palace Guard should be irregular. I don't think any army should have so much Palace Guard that it just says, oh, let's just make an army. Yeah. <laughs> they should be the fancy yeah. guys that you don't have very I think there's a segue to elves there, potentially. There's, there's, when you've got like a elite guard unit, it maybe it needs to be slightly less points to make up for it or something, but like it should be irregular. I agree with you there, Benson. Like fluff-wise and mm. stuff, like I don't want my army... like. How many how many guard do you have in your That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't I have like two hordes of spearmen and one regiment of palace guard or something? Like, why is it the other way around? That feels wrong. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. like I mean, the Basileans though, it's it's all meant to be this human sort of army that um, preys and occasionally gets a an angel to come down and help them fight. Mm. And so at the moment, all it is is this elite palace guard, huge ogres with angels. Um, so there's no actual infantry there. That's Bloody, it's actually an ogre army. <laughs> a bit like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably Palace Guard. Uh, probably the main reason for that is that Ogre Palace Guard are a little bit uh, undercosted, perhaps, just a smidge. And they have yeah. a few of those characters that are a bit in that boat too, I think. So they do have those some units a little ahead of the curve. But I do think they have multiple competitive builds and I think people are overlooking the, the, man's, the average man's in that army. I think you can take some... Mm. Pretty solid, cheap objective yeah, holders, decent. and like pikemen are really yep. good. Like a horde of pikemen is such a difficult question to have to answer when you've also got ogres and flyers around. Like, yeah, yeah. But, but we're also talking about models that people own and have to collect and put together. It's a lot easier to put together ogres than it yeah, is. Yeah, that's a right. Horde of very things. true, and also I think the armies change quite a lot. So the army that you had, especially if you were trying to like min max a bit in second ed mm. probably is, looks quite different to like mm. you're, you're probably playing a similar army and it's still doing fine but i think if you want to maximize that army now you want to make an army that looks quite different to that one yeah mm. yeah and i think their special rule uh iron resolve just really helps out anything with a relatively Solid. high nerve mm-hmm. um so if we have a look at that high power paladin i think it is on a dragon like dash 19 with iron resolve uh is just ridiculous um i think one thing to discuss that I th- will probably have people arcing up is why we put goblins in B because I'm suspecting that a lot of people would think they should be up into the A or S. That's hmm, uh, just nonsense. There's some meta out there that seems to be very vocal where taking a million war machines is really good um, and mm, with, with that one particular build is just taking people off the table and it's probably making such a miserable play experience that it's sticking in people's minds and stuff as well that's my theory anyway yeah because it's not that good i got news for you there are some armies that will just eat up that engine fire and get into you and eat you for breakfast undead is a really good example of an army that does that fairly competently and so do the the better abyssal dwarf armies a lot of those armies in the a tier can take armies that are really good against it. Look at Night Stalkers, Ratkin, Salamanders to an extent. Empire of Dust can eat that kind of army for breakfast in certain circumstances. Sometimes it would be good against them. But yeah, like if that's your one build, forget about it. Like people are just wrong about that being an <laughs> A or S tier yes. build, is what I'm saying. Goblins are a pretty slow army with pretty poor warrior choice. Uh, everything is hitting on fives just about apart from the the luggets but they're a standout 
and everything has a pretty low defense. Mm. They just have lots of them, mm. that's all. So, yeah, apart from that war machine build. I think B's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But And you can take quite a few different builds, and it does have a fair bit of synergy in the builds and stuff. But if, if you think that war machines are... Uh, you, I mean, you will always have a lot of war machines in, in goblins. You don't need to take 12. They have four options. Yeah, obviously. you're going to have a handful <laughs> of them. You're, you're usually going to see a trombone or two and a couple of catapults or something, and that's fine. That's It's better to do that, take luggets and other things that are mm. effective, um, and take a more mixed list, in my opinion. I think it's, I think it's also could be that goblin players have a tendency to be total lunatics. And that's why, <laughs> that's why, <laughs> that's why they build like these crazy extreme lists that just have like all pump wagons or something, or like all trolls or something. They just like to. It's just the vibe. It's the draw of goblins to a degree. Yeah, I, st- I still think everything that we've just described there, apart from that one sort of crazy build of war engines, uh, still puts it into that B. And all you have to do yep. to counter this sort of list is bring back the uh, war machine hunters. They mm. just sort of drifted out of lists a little bit. And I think if you just bring back that, it sort of shuts down that sort of goblin-type list. Yeah, it does. And goblins have a hard time dealing with um, flyers as well. They don't have anything like that themselves. Mm. Yeah, they've mainly got trombones is their main defense, isn't it? And like, and that's not yeah. a hyper-reliable option. Although they're, they're good. I, th- I think a couple of boom wagons, or maybe even one boom wagon these days, because they have been nerfed a bit, and a, and a couple of... Mm. Uh, trombones just gives opponent really difficult questions to answer and what's an otherwise like run-of-the-mill list so if you take your sort of medium-y bit of this bit of that kingdoms of men style army and then you chuck in a couple of trombones and a couple of boom wagons then your opponents you know they've got to be smart to play around that and that does Mm. give the goblins a bit of an edge yeah Mm. Mm. anyway so otherwise, we're pretty well aligned with uh, yeah, the list. Yeah, I think lists. so. Are there any that are sort of hot takes at all? Like, is Ratkin in A a hot take? Do you think? No, no. we've all got them in A, so I guess it can't mm. be that hot, hot, much of a hot take. What about Salamanders? They've they've they might get the award for most improved. Yes, they definitely get that award. Um, they were in C, I would put. If in version yeah, two. I'd put them at the tail end of C in version two. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember playing against you a few times with Salamanders back in the day, and just you feeling like a bit helpless at times. It's like they want to do all these things but mm. can't. Like they shoot, they've got lots of shooting, but it's all twelve inch and not exactly damaging. It's just got the vicious on the shooting, or the punch is there, but they just don't have the staying power, and they don't. They sort of have the maneuverability, but mm. not. So they just they just feel like they're trying to do all these things, but not. But uh, in version three, they've been boosted and. Given, given a bit more focus, I think. Yeah, and I think they have a lot of different builds that are effective. Uh, what are Croxy Goals? The Ancients. No, yeah. they're the uh, Speed uh, Defense 6 fellas, which is also a nice mm. bump because they inspire. So that's a, a huge thing there. Yep. Because um, before it was like trying to inspire everything that was so expensive. Uh, the Tyrants. Tyrants. Tyrants, yeah. Yep. Tyrants are cray-cray these days. They just charge through anything and do an obscene amount of attacks. So mm. I definitely think they're really good unit. Yeah, they've got they've got heaps of good units now. Again, a lot of these A tier armies I feel like they sort of do a bit of everything, with the possible exception of, I don't know, maybe Night Stalkers or Forces of the Abyss. Mm. They kind of all do a bit of everything a bit like a Kingdoms of Men army or a Elf army or something. But they just have a bit of an edge. Like they can do it in a number of different competitive ways and they're just yeah. 
just got a few units that just feel a bit pushed. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's one, uh, the Forces of the Abyss. That's one that I have at the top of B, but uh, the more I'm sort of thinking about that, I, I really want to push it up into A. So convince me why they are A. Okay, uh, happy to, as a matter of fact. I think that I've never played with the Forces of the Abyss. I have played against them a handful of times. If it tells you anything, Speed both Tracy and Crossman play them. <laughs> so two of our like top three players play um, Forces of the Abyss. Well, Tracy's the best player in the world. So Yeah, including the best player in the world. Um, so they have a few units that feel very ahead of the curve. They feel, they're a bit like Abyssal Dwarfs for me in that they have a few units that feel like they have a bit bad internal balance, but at the same time, um, mm, yeah, yeah, at the same time, like they've got a... Because they are lacking in some areas. Like they don't have great ranged fire at all. There's no war machines. They've got some fantastic monsters, uh, mm, some of the best yeah. in the game. Um, their cavalry's good. They've got some decent chaff, um, but yeah, they're lacking in a few areas, which is why they're not S for mm. me. Like, yeah. Otherwise, everything is pretty good quality. Yeah, the usual yeah, demon think... problem of lacking shooting... Uh, is their main downside, I guess. But they, they can take heaps of big, nasty monsters, heaps of flyers, heaps of really, really... A lot of their um, large infantry-sized things, are like the Morlocks and the... Uh, are they called Warlocks, the, the caster characters that are on the large base? Caster character... Abyssal Warlocks? Oh, the, yeah. They're incredibly the strong. Both yep. Crossman and, um, and Tracy have been playing, running like two to four of them in, in each list and... It's because they have unit strength. Unit strength, yeah. Well, that's, exactly that's a big it. part of it, sure. But the spells just synergize really nicely with the with the army. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And they're not terrible in combat either. Yeah, unlike most other casters. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's one of those ones where you play a top build of Abyssals, you can feel like, and you're just playing sort of, you know, your average all-comers list. You definitely feel like you're behind like from the start. Um, and sometimes you need to see them. They're one of those armies, I think, you need to see them played a couple of times by the top players to understand why they're so powerful. But yeah, they, they're mm. really strong for me. Yeah, the icing on the cake that I think will actually change my decision, I'm going to move it up to A, is Douglas. just the Well of Souls. Well of Souls, yeah. <laughs> the Well of oh, it's like that leech life as many as they want before. Life leech. Yeah, uh, with life leech as well. Mm. It's it's just crazy, and like, I know three hundred points is a lot, but it just sits over yeah. the top and heals everything. So that that soul drain is the all right. I'm just going to take fifteen damage off this unit. <laughs> what are you yeah. going to do about it? Not yeah, that. it's actually Very for me. It's actually there some of their cheaper units. Um, so often that's the case. If anyone's noticed, this is the theme. Like Selic likes really expensive units. <laughs> I like really cheap units. <laughs> <laughs> more in between. There's some of the cheaper baseline infantry kind of units and their cheaper characters. Spamming a lot of those and then having three hordes of Morlocks to back them up seems to be, just judging by army lists that have done very well in Australia, mm. seems to be kind of a recipe for success. And then you, on top of that, you know, you can add your sort of flying demons to taste and maybe Well of Souls, I'm not sure. Mm. But yeah. but I think that's pretty... That's it, yeah. So how about we move into, as we're going to the end of this episode... What we are hoping for the Clash of Kings release that's going to be coming out in the next month yes, or two. Yes, I'm excited about that. Because I hear that there's not going to be as many changes this time around. Mm. Yeah, so lots of special characters coming in. That's probably the biggest change. I think that's a, that's a, a good thing to hear because especially with the um, Uncharted Empires and the theme lists, how they only ever have one mm -hmm. unique unit, one mm -hmm. special character there. Also also worth noting that it's a, a magic supplement that was designed not to be balanced. 
Um, mm. So it's not like a normal Clash of Kings. And I think what really? they've done is they've sort of yeah they've done this big review from my understanding, and they haven't really had enough play testing due to all this right. COVID nonsense. Um, so I think that's probably why they're going down, just adding some flavors. And I think if we sort of go back to some of the first Clash of Kings that came through, they really tried to try things mm-hmm. out and see what's broken and then use use this um, as a cover, I guess, to say, hey, it's not, it's not balanced, but they'll try a few things out to see how it works. But what I'm hoping to see, to get to your question, Benson, is some more keywords coming in, some more unique, weird, wacky mm-hmm. things to come in. Uh, I don't just want keywords. Students. I want things that yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's enough wanna, keywords already. I want to be able to see nothing. Yeah, I want to <laughs> see more flavor too. I'm right there with you. And so like, the, like... the spellcaster tiers. That's that's a th- going to be a thing now, isn't it? Yeah, I want to see the spellcasting tiers be a thing. I want to see some more interesting, different spells, variation, a bit of random spell action in there, and I want to see yeah more flavor. So more special characters is great. Just more like lore love. Um, I'm, I'm all over that. So that's actually what I want to see. Ironically, after doing a whole episode about competitive tiers and stuff, uh, I'm actually less interested in that that. Than, than getting some <laughs> sweet fluff love going on. Yep. Sorry for wasting your... Uh, Disregard everything we've said so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, uh, my understanding is you're going to get a fair bit of that in this next sort of that's magic excellent. update. So a bit more fluff. Um, I think the magic tiers are going to be impacted as well. So mm. that's that's going to be great. Is there anything in Clash of Kings we want to see to actually change this tier list? Like, I would like to update it afterwards to a degree, but, like, is there something that you guys actually I mean, this- desire to enhance your Kings of War experience? Increase the Mortar cost. I think that's a big thing, increasing the um, the big Mortar yep. costs. Increase big Mortar costs. I think that's on a lot of people's list. Yep. Nerf the um, Revenant Cav a little bit or make them more expensive. Yep especially the troop size. I'll pop on some different shoes and I'll go for the Sylvankin, uh, Order of the Brother Mark, uh, Order of the Green Lady, uh, Free Dwarfs and Ratkin Slaves. I would love them to get a few unique units that are theirs and mm. theirs only. To make the theme lists more themey. Yeah, so and yeah. I, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think yeah. by doing that, it'll make them a little bit more uh, unique and lure people to play them and mm-hmm. hopefully get them from the D's and the C's up into the B's. Yeah, good call. Yeah. I think herd, the herd needs a bit of a rework. Or maybe there's just something we haven't thought of with them. Entirely possible. I'd also like to see both the elves, actually all the elves, Sylvankin included, particularly the standard elves and the Twilight Kin, I'd like to see the internal balance from both those armies just be adjusted a little bit. Some of their best units probably mm-hmm. need 5 or 10 points. Some of their worst units might need 5 or 10 reduction, but perhaps more than that, what's irregular and what's not, I'd like to see adjusted mm. a little bit. Those armies are particularly regular elves. Um, I think there's a there's a big call for that. But And you were saying, Benson, for undead as well. What's irregular and what isn't mm. across the board would be a really nice little change. Yeah, yeah. it needs to change. But I don't think we're going to get all that because it is a small list, but we can dream. But sometimes it's only a few little changes, right? could just be like two units in an army and that's enough to make a big difference. Yeah, Like what we were saying before the recording, if the Abyssal Grotesques went from regular to irregular, that would change the makeup huge Mm. because that thing doesn't unlock and then you need other things to unlock, which is half-breeds and That's it. 20 points on the the big mortar and that. I suppose golems too, but still. That's all you need to bring Abyssal Dwarfs. They'd still be such a good army. Like I don't think it brings them down to B. They would be. They'd be top eight. It makes them less (laughs) oppressive. Yeah. Just like the Morgoth yeah. nerf, like that was a call out that 
just undead armies were feeling too oppressive because that particular unit was just everywhere and too over the top. Um, and it was a significant nerf as well, more significant than most of their nerfs usually are. And it made a big difference. Hmm. For the fluff point of view, how do we feel about Amada that's just got uh, released today, I think? Yes, please. I want to know what other uh, factions are going to be, because we know four at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, none of those factions completely grab me, but I love ship-based games. I really love Battlefleet Gothic. I like Man of War. I like quite a few of these kinds of games. I've even got a Dystopian Wars sort of fleet sitting around and stuff like that. Mm. And every time I sort of start one of these games, I end up not playing it that much. So if we've got one from our favorite company that we can support a bit, hopefully as a community and get happening a bit more and have mm. a ship-based game that sort of gains enough traction to be able to get a game relatively easily, I'm all over that like a hot rash. Yep, yeah, same. Uh, I can't wait to sort of play a game where we can maybe mix the both or jump into a story-based sort of tournament where we can campaign maybe campaign that's the word um but come in and have a little bit of boats and then have whatever that outcome impact our kings of war games and maybe even change our kings of war games to impact the boats i think it's going to be fantastic Mm. Mm. get to the chopper and you have to get the remnants of your army onto the boats and that determines how many boats you've got left Mm -hmm. or the firepower (laughs) or the other way around trying to bring in supplies for the army so we'll try and get our hands on the book um and do a bit of a review and maybe even get ronnie or martin on the call and um have a bit of a chat yeah i think that'd be fun Mm -hmm. chat for sure um learn a bit more about that game because i'll We'll certainly be picking it up. If it's disappointing, yep. I can always use the ships in, in Man of War. <laughs> so I'm not yeah. too upset. Um, the ships are beautiful little models, yeah. so uh, I'll enjoy them regardless. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Thanks for chatting army list tiers and power for pre-Clash of Kings 2020. Uh, I guess we will speak to you soon. Thanks, homies. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in with my team. Make sure you follow on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed, more than a game. It's a lifestyle. Yes, sir. Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work. <laughs> we give the people what they desire. Australian war game and podcast. Direct misfire. You don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, we got plenty more. If you're ready, let's go. Stay tuned. That's for sure. Hey.